This program is paid for by Advocacy United. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Advocacy United or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded. Consider a career with the International Brotherhood of Boilermakers. As a Boilermaker apprentice, you'll earn while you learn. We offer excellent wages and benefits. And as part of our no-cost, hands-on apprenticeship program, you'll learn from the best in state-of-the-art training centers and on the job. Become a union Boilermaker and get on your way to a great career. Visit Boilermakers.org or call 844-IBB-WELD. And guess where this additional billion gallons of biofuel is going to come from? It's going to come from abroad. That's not an American first energy policy. We're in this together. Labor's in this. Building trades are in this. Refiners are in this. American consumers need us to do this too. Now across the Jacob Media Network, welcome to the Labor and Energy Show special. Exclusively presented by the PBF Energy Paulsboro Refinery and the PBF Delaware City Refinery in collaboration with the labor unions that build our communities. If you fix this RINs issue, you're looking at a reduction of 25 to 30 cents a gallon. This is the Labor and Energy Show, bringing labor leaders, national experts, and political influencers together to educate you about fancy terms like RINs and Reggie, while explaining the truth about energy independence. Welcome to the Labor and Energy Show with J-Doc and Krause. And welcome in, everyone, to this edition of the Labor and Energy Show with J-Doc and Krause. Glad to be here on uh, what is this holiday weekend, very special, meaningful time. Uh, for everyone. Good show lined up to J-Doc on the Labor and Energy Show. Two great guests. Uh, You get to go one-on-one with two great guests uh, as part of the Labor and Energy Show today. Yeah, Joe, and it it is. This is part of our end-of-the-year specials, and like you said, it's a holiday weekend, uh, very festive time of year, and I'm ecstatic to have on the program uh, Peter Holren, who is uh, the Director Mm. of Public Relations U.S. at at Enbridge Energy, also a member of our energy education and awareness uh, board of directors, and of course Adam Caduso, mm-hmm. uh, who uh, is also a member of our energy mm-hmm. education and awareness board of directors from Monroe Energy. Uh, both are uh, individuals that uh, you know do a phenomenal job uh, for their respective organizations. But also today, we're going to talk about not only some issues and stuff like that, but but you know talk about how that you know them and their their companies impact our communities uh you know our way of life even uh and and of course um at, at this festive time of year which we're very fortunate to, to to have a festive time of year it can be difficult for others and so these individuals uh make a difference in so many different ways and i'm ecstatic to have them on the broadcast reminder to our listening audience you can go to apple or spotify search the labor and energy show download this edition or this uh, version, this podcast edition, uh, or any of the previous shows on the, um, or wherever you get your podcast, it's the Labor and Energy Show with J-Doc and Krause. We'll take a short break. We'll get started with J-Doc on the other side. Back in a moment. The Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters is proud to present skilled union workers, including the workers that build and maintain our energy infrastructure. The safest, best trained, and most productive carpenters in the country are on the job. Whether it's energy from nuclear, wind, coal, natural gas, or offshore wind, the EAS carpenters are ready to provide the construction need of an energy industry our families depend on. If you're interested in a job in construction, visit EASCarpenters.org or follow us on social at EAS Carpenters. Buying a car is a big decision. Makes, models, colors, cost. But soon enough, the government is going to make that decision for you. Delaware and New Jersey are on a collision course to ban the sale of new gas-powered cars. In 2035, you'll have no choice but to buy an electric vehicle in those states. Tell Governor Carney and Governor Murphy to stop the EV mandate and let drivers decide. Portions of tonight's Labor and Energy Special are presented by PBF Energy and supported by members of the labor union community, a collaborative to educate the public and change the narrative. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back uh, to the Labor and Energy Show uh, on the Jacob Media Network. I'm ecstatic to bring into the program Peter Holran, Director of Government Relations 
U.S. at Enbridge Energy. Peter, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, Joe Doc. Thanks for having me on today. It's a pleasure. Uh, this is a part of our uh, our end of the year specials, and uh, Peter's a, a part of our energy education and awareness initiative. And there's so much to talk about. And uh, Peter, so this is a spotlight segment on 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 Enbridge and, and and the great things Enbridge does that support our everyday lives. Okay, our way of life here um, in, in in our country. And I'd like to educate our listeners in a sense from. You know, in layman's terms, so they understand um, the impacts, the importance, and all those good things. So if you would, okay, please remind our, tell our listeners a little bit about Enbridge. Enbridge is a household name in the industry, but if you would give our listeners uh, a brief overview of what Enbridge is and what Enbridge does and the magnitude of Enbridge. Yeah, no, happy to. And uh, again, great to be on the program and uh, talk about great, important issues. But from an Enbridge perspective, we are North America's leading energy transportation company. And so we are moving uh, crude oil, natural gas, um, natural gas liquids that are made into propane and other um, uh, chemicals, etc., uh, every day throughout the United States, but we're also uh, in the energy generation business as well. We have about $8 billion worth of renewable energy under management today across North America and also over in Europe, off the coast of France and Germany and, and England and some wind energy. And so we are we are a major provider of energy to a lot of communities, whether it's in the 40 states across the United States or seven provinces across Canada, we are providing energy that is used every day in aviation fuel, diesel fuel, gasoline, uh, the heat homes and businesses, and to run our industries. And so, and you, and you mentioned renewables. So, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're heavily involved, obviously, in our traditional energy, but <clears throat> our renewables. So, so people might stereotype and think, well, Enbridge is about pipelines exclusively, but you're in almost every area of energy. Yeah, we are. I mean, yeah, we're moving about uh, 25% of all the crude oil that moves across North America. And we move you know, 20, 25% of all the natural gas. That's that's our core business. But over the last 20 years, we have also built out solar, wind, uh, geothermal, hydroelectric, many other uh, types of energy uh, uh, generation for communities. And lately, we're in the, you're looking at the low carbon energy uh, solutions. Uh, one of the things we're most proud of for the Philadelphia area is being part of the Mach 2 hydrogen uh, hub that was just announced and awarded by the uh, by the U.S. government, the Department of Energy. Uh, you know, Enbridge is uh, already working and blending hydrogen into our gas streams in Ontario, Canada, where we have a gas distribution company, uh, one of the largest in North America. Uh, we're looking to bring that same know-how and technology to the Philadelphia region, to the United States, and build out that uh, that line of business as well. You know, one of the things people don't realize, and I and, and I think it's um, it's a narrative that has, in a sense, uh, people been have been, uh, in, in a sense, misguided. Um, that that a lot of our, and in fact, not only a lot of our, but the, almost every one of our our traditional energy companies are at the forefront of our lowering emissions, okay, our environment and our commitment to our environment. Talk about that and how and what a priority it is to Enbridge, okay, because people don't, you know, when, when we talk, and we're going to get into, uh, you know, some of the projects, but um, it's just not something that people, in, in a sense, are educated on on a daily basis. Yeah, you know, it's a great point, Joe. And, you know, one of our jobs is to make sure people know more about energy. A lot of people just uh, think you say you turn the light switch on the wall and the lights come on and you go to the gas station and there's always going to be gasoline. Now, I'm old enough to remember going with my father to the gas station in the 1970s when there wasn't gas every day. And, uh, you know, on even license plate, you tell that to a millennial and they have no idea what you're talking about. You and I understand what that means. And, we we uh, definitely do. No question. Yeah. And so, you know, our job in this industry is to make sure that the energy continues to flow. We need energy every day. 
uh, our manufacturers, our small businesses, our homes. Our, you know, my mother-in-law lives right there outside Philadelphia, and she needs her energy to keep her house warm uh, during these winter months. So that's our job right now. But then we also have to look to the future. Um, every energy company, including Enbridge, is committed to lowering emissions. Uh, if we don't do that, uh, we're not going to address the climate uh, changes that are taking place. We need to address that. Enbridge has uh, very firm commitments and goals uh, for our emissions reductions, uh, 35% by of our own emissions by the end of uh, this decade. And like many companies, we have a goal of reaching um, net zero emissions by 2050. That, you know, that's going to be, uh, uh, there's a lot of work that has to get done to get there. Uh, a lot of transition, a lot of uh, uh, technology that we have to develop and bring on board. And we're working with our industry partners. We're working with our labor partners. We're working with the governments across the globe to find those solutions. But in the meantime, we need to bring that core energy that we use today to markets at a lower emissions rate. So we're working uh, on capturing uh, carbon. Uh, that is one thing that we can do today uh, that helps uh, lower emissions. We can actually reduce methane, methane emissions um, from our pipelines, and we're working on that every day to, 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 to make that technology better. Um, and as we reduce emissions, as we find new solutions like hydrogen that we can blend into our gas streams, which will lower emissions, we will continue to meet the challenges that have been set out by the world uh, uh, governments, uh, that we must reduce emissions, we must transition to new fuels, but it doesn't happen overnight. So every little bit helps. Well, you, you know, you, you said it, we take for granted that you're just going to be able to flip the switch, okay, turn the dial, uh, and, and we're going to have light, we're going to have heat, we're going to turn the air conditioning on, and we've been fortunate enough, okay, throughout our, our you know, recent lifetimes, yeah, you know, you mentioned back in the 70s, I remember those lines in the cars and it was crazy. Okay? Yes. One of the things that is difficult is, it, it, and it's so important, the importance of working together, okay, with companies like Enbridge, okay, you talk about our renewables, our political, our policymakers, and labor, um, you know, to, to, all, to all be working in the same direction. We have such great resources here in, the, in, in North America. Okay, and and one of the things people don't understand is our standards here in the United States and and in in Canada are are so much higher than they are overseas. Yet we're 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 often shutting ourselves down, and we're going to be importing the same products. Okay, and our standards here and, and the leadership we have is 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 so important. And so uh, the lives that Enbridge impacts on a daily basis across the country. You mentioned. Uh, 25%, okay, uh, you know, you, you're delivering 25% of, of, of the resources. On, I mean, I don't know if there's statistics, but let's, let's talk about on a daily basis the households and the lives that your resources at Enbridge impacts on a daily basis. Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, literally tens of millions of people across uh, New England, uh, the Mid-Atlantic, uh, down across the southern states with our gas distribution. Our, our, our crude oil is going to refineries across the Midwest, uh, up into eastern Canada, but also down to the Gulf Coast, where it's being refined into various products and, and used. So we're, we're touching lives across the United States. Um, Every day, and it's it's that that's fuel that everybody that energy that everybody depends on. Uh, that's coming to us. Um, what we need to really work on is, you know, as we work and live in these communities, is getting out. And Enbridge is fully committed, especially this time of year, Joe. You know, we we want to make sure that people understand that we care about the communities that we work in, that we live in. Our, you know, we got sixteen thousand employees across the United States and in Europe. And uh, they are not just employees. They actually live in the communities where we work. If we have if we have pipelines that run through, like in Pennsylvania, we have offices across Pennsylvania where we have pipeline workers. Um, we have you know major offices in the Boston area, in Houston, and in the Chicagoland area, up into Minnesota, out into the Minot, uh, North Dakota. So we're across this great country and all the various communities. And we want to make certain not only that we are reaching out and educating, but that we are part of those communities and, and, and people understand that, you know, we use the energy that we produce 
we uh, live and in, in, uh, work and play in the communities where we have assets, and we have to lift everybody up at the same time. No question about it. And, and, and when you talk about the communities and, and the lives that are impacted on a daily basis of a massive magnitude, I didn't even mention the workforce, okay? Mm-hmm. And I mean, you talk, you talk about 16,000 employees. Okay, so it's ingrained in our way of life, okay? And, uh, you know, I'd like to touch on pipelines, okay? Yep. Because they're so important, and and I you know I kind of break it down a little bit, Peter, in in um like that that when I'm when I'm when I'm talking to somebody, okay, about the need and the importance of pipelines. This is maybe in, in, in layman's terms, but I I'll say like pipelines they, they help support our way of life. They're like the veins that carry the blood in our body. Without mm-hmm. them, we're relying on other areas of of transportation, out trains, trucks. Uh, you know, and, and we have awesome employees and awesome workers doing all those things. But the, the pipelines are incredibly efficient and there's a massive need for them. Talk, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, it, it, it's been shown time over time, you know, time that uh, pipelines are the safest, most efficient, most affordable way to move energy. And so you know, the basic fact is that if you look at crude oil, we have an abundance of crude oil here in the in North America. A lot of it is up in Western Canada, some in you know Western United States, down in the Texas, uh, North, uh, New Mexico, Permian area. But that's not where the energy needs are. The energy needs are in the big cities, and so we have to move the energy from where it's produced to the refineries and then into the homes and, and businesses that uh, use that energy. And it's no different with natural gas. Yeah, Pennsylvania is blessed to have uh, huge natural gas uh, deposits out in the, the Marcellus and Utica uh, formation. But you still have to get it to the people that need it. And uh, so pipelines are the safest, most efficient, and most affordable way to do that. And uh, that, that's something that we don't take lightly. We work on our pipelines every single day of the year, the 365 days we are monitoring those pipelines. We are we are uh, upgrading where we need to. We're making sure that we keep our communities safe. But more importantly, especially this time of year, Joe, it's getting cold out there, and we need to make sure that that gas gets to the to the uh, to the uh, plants that are pushing it to the houses and making sure that people have natural gas to heat their homes and run their electric. Uh, uh, systems, et cetera, because without that, it gets to be very cold in the Northeast, as we all know. Oh, yeah. Uh, and and, and you, you touch on safety. OK, the priority for safety. OK, uh, you know, we deal with a lot of stuff. Uh, it, it, you know, we're, it's almost like, look, I mean, we all care about the environment. We care about our communities. We live in the communities around the facilities. Uh, we just had a conversation with Adam Gattuso of Monroe talking about being a part of the community and 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 having that dialogue and so we, we we nobody takes it lightly under any circumstance okay but the priority for safety okay when it comes to our pipelines is priority number one yes. yeah, it, yeah i can't state that enough talk about you know when you're talking to a community when you're doing a replacement project okay um yeah, 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 the stressing of that priority well, two things, Joe, and I think you talk to any energy company, and they're probably very similar to Enbridge. Well, we start every day, every meeting with a safety moment, and this is something that we brought from the field, from our workers out in the in the uh, on the pipelines in the field to the offices and across our system to say that every single minute of every single day, you have to think about safety, and if you're not thinking about it, then you got an opportunity that something could go wrong. And so we have very strict safety protocols. We have a very safe, uh, strict safety culture that is built from from the from the uh, from the you know minute you walk into the company until maybe you become CEO, you are learning about the safety culture, and that's for two reasons. One, every man and woman that works in our company, every man and woman that works in our industry, deserves to come to work, have a safe environment to work in, and go home to their families. And that is something we need to stress every day. But also those communities that we entrust, they entrust us uh, with our assets. And we ask for that permission. We get, you know, we get our right of ways. We get our easements. We go through and, and we work with communities to say, we want to build this pipeline in your community. 
part of that is we have to say to them, you have to trust us that we know what we're doing. And the only way you earn trust is to demonstrate it. And so we go out, if we're doing any kind of maintenance project, even if we're just doing uh, upgrades of valves or uh, replacement of a section of pipe, we will. Uh, we have a very aggressive outreach program with not only the community leaders and the elected officials, but we will have community meetings and we will answer questions. And not, you know, there's a people, Joe, you and I know this, there are people that don't like what we do, maybe have a different view of the world. They're entitled to that. They're also entitled to have their say. And so we listen. And sometimes we learn things and better ways of doing things. But most importantly, we want to be as transparent as possible so they understand exactly what we're doing. And if we have to shut down a road to do some maintenance work, we got to tell the community why. That's a major disruption to them. And so we try to plan around their lives as well. And it's just it, it's part of who we have to be, who Enbridge is, but also I think who the industry is now is that we have to be much more transparent. We have to be much more upfront with the community on what we're doing. And we work on that every single day. That's part of my job. That's part of my team's job is to be part of that community and to understand. And, and it's part of our energy education and awareness initiative, um, educating the public on, you know, what we call common sense and energy. Okay. Yes. And, and uh, one of the things that we try to do is obviously translate the message, but, uh, you know, also bring people into the process. Uh, one of the things uh, that, so these projects take a lot to get off the ground. Yeah. Okay. And permitting reform is something that uh, we've talked about in the past. Okay. And, 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 and the priority now, now obviously uh, the Congress's recent debt ceiling bill, um, you know, has a, a number of provisions when it comes to, uh, permitting reform, but um, whether it's a, a pipeline or even if it's mining for critical minerals, okay, right now we're dependent for a lot of our computer products. Uh, you know, you talk about uh, electric vehicles. Um, the batteries are, are comprised of uh, of of, of uh, critical minerals. They're being mined in the Congo, okay, and this is not a secret. Um, it often with, with using child labor and, you know, unbelievable uh, ways of doing it. We can't even, you know, kind of take that work back if we can't get the permits to mine for those critical minerals. OK, yeah. talk about how permitting reform impacts your industry. We only have a couple minutes, but the importance of being able to do, you know, being able to, 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 to get these projects off the ground and maintain them when there's a replacement project. Yeah, so everything needs to be permitted. We have state, local, federal permits that need to be obtained to, to lay a pipeline. Um, and uh, we work very closely with our regulators, with our uh, those agencies that actually give us the permits. And the process is there to make certain that we have thought of everything that we can think of and that we understand what the local communities and how important maybe that local stream is. And, and is it better to do a horizontal directional drill under the stream rather than just putting the pipeline in the bottom of the stream? And that's what the permitting process is all about, is we put out our best case we understand, you know, what we think is the best after we've done probably a couple of years of studies of the, 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 the right of way and the route that we want to build on. The community comes back and says, here's what our concerns are. And then we work together to try to find a way that the government can say, yes, you can go ahead and build this. The, what the permitting reform has started to do, and we're still, I think we still need a phase two and we still maybe need a phase three to get this right, is we started to cut the time down because there are there are uh, individuals and organizations out there that don't want to see any more uh, linear infrastructure, any in, any energy infrastructure built, and they are just trying to delay the process. And all that does is it costs money, it costs time, and it actually, in some cases, makes the projects less safe, less efficient, less environmentally, you know, more environmentally impactful because time is not always our friend. You know, we can we can do things very uh, efficiently, very quickly, and then also very environmentally friendly. But once things change, then we have to go back and rework everything. So we like the, the, the permitting reforms that have been put in place. We're going to continue to work with uh, Congress and our elected officials for more permitting reforms, um, all for the purpose. We're not looking for shortcuts. We want to make sure that the projects get good environmental reviews, 
that the, the communities are heard, and that at the end of the day, we are building a, a project that, one, delivers the energy that is needed, and two, is the least environmentally impact project that can be built. And so, Peter, we're, we're coming to the end of the, uh, the segment, and I really appreciate, obviously, your time and what you do on a daily basis to support our way of life. I know it's 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 the holiday time, and Enbridge has a, a really active community-giving program throughout the year. Okay, and, and and that's I love that because it's or you know it's it's not just about the holiday season, um, but you know you you uh, encourage you, you provide grants uh, to first responders and communities uh, which operate uh, you know to the fuel futures program, uh, which also en- encourages our employees to volunteer your employees to volunteer and give back to the communities. Just touch on that for about twenty seconds and the importance of. You know, obviously, giving back to the community and 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 uh, you know, all on an all year long process. Yeah, no, it's it's very important. It's part of our culture, Joe. And uh, we have the you know, two main programs. One you mentioned, the Safe Communities Grants. So if there are first responders along our rights away um, that need help with equipment uh, and uh, other uh, resources to do their jobs, we have grants available to them because they're a partner with us, right? We hope we never have to work with them, but we have to train with them and we have to be a partner with them. And we want to make sure that these communities have the, uh, the, the resources. A lot of small communities in Pennsylvania. I know I grew up in one out towards Lancaster. Um, they're all volunteer fire departments out there and they don't have big budgets. And so we can help out there with some of our grants. But we also have a program called Fuel and Futures where every single one of our employees is encouraged to not only give uh, in their community, but to volunteer. And the company will match uh, dollar amounts for the volunteer hours. They will match uh, contributions that are made by uh, individuals. And this is to say, Again, we live and work in a community. We need to be part of those communities, and we encourage every single one of our employees every day of the year to be part of that community and to give whatever they can. Peter Holran, Director of Government Relations U.S. at Enbridge Energy, thank you so much for joining us on the Labor and Energy Show, and have a fantastic holiday season. You too, Joe. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you as well. I'll be back in a moment. What's a Boilermaker? We're the skilled welders, riggers, and craftspeople who will help you grow your competitive edge. We step up when others step back, and we do the job right, on time, on budget, and safely. No drama, just results every time. We're the international brotherhood of Boilermakers, and everything we do begins with our bond. Let's get to work together. Visit bestintrade.com. Neuter Integrated Multicraft Contractors has been a force since 1896. That's right, 1896. And specializes in welding, piping, mechanical, structural, constructability reviews, project management, and rigging design services. For a free consultation, call Neuter at 314-421-7600. Neuter proudly serves petroleum refining, chemical processing, power generation, and alternative energy. Get in touch with Neuter at 314-421-7600. This program is paid for by Advocacy United. Today's program is pre-recorded. Portions of tonight's Labor and Energy Special are being supported by the members of the Labor Union Community, including Steamfitters Local 420, Jim Snell Business Manager, the Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters, and the United Steelworkers. So welcome everybody back to the Labor and Energy Show with Jay Doc and Krause here on the Jacob Media Network. Uh, ecstatic to bring into the program Adam Gattuso, Monroe Energy Government Affairs Leader and Communications Leader. Adam, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Jay Doc. Great to be here today. It's it's great to have you, and and certainly Adam's also a a member of our Energy Education and Awareness Initiative Board of Directors. So much going on. If uh, if you would, Adam, a a little for our audience, um, tell our listeners a a little bit about yourself uh, and you know, what you do at, at, at Monroe, and of course, a, a little bit about Monroe Energy. All right, great. And thanks again for uh, doing what you all do. I think it's really important to bring these energy issues to the forefront and labor issues to the forefront. Um, so um, here at Monroe Energy, I had all the government affairs, um, whether it's state uh, or local or federal government affairs, also focus a lot on our uh, community uh, engagement activities, because uh, we really believe that you know, our commitment to the community stands far beyond our fence line. It's very important to who we are, core value uh, for us. Also oversee the communication work 
uh, here at the refinery. And then I do a lot of special project work uh, here at the refinery as well. Um, just a little bit of an overview on who Monroe Energy is. I guess maybe I'll start back kind of at the, at the very beginning. We are a wholly owned subsidiary of Delta Airlines. <clears throat> you know, back in, you know, 2010 timeframe, Delta was looking for an innovative way to get a hold of their largest expense. And at the time, it was jet fuel. They were the second largest consumer of jet fuel in the world. Um, the first is the United States military. So large consumer of jet fuel. And, you know, at the time, a lot of airlines were trying to hedge their bets on fuel prices through really just paper hedging. Well, you know, that's great and everything, but you can't fly a plane with paper. So they had this innovative strategy of what would happen if we bought an oil refinery to actually refine physical jet fuel for ourselves, right, for our parent company. So at the time in Pennsylvania, there were three refineries that unfortunately announced closure all at the same time. This would have been 2011. So uh, one in Philadelphia, one in Marcus Hook, and one in Trainer, where I stand today. And just for historical perspective, refining has been happening on this property since the very early 1900s. So it's 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 kind of um it's really a historic uh, facility. Uh, many many generations have worked here, and they continue to to do so today. So we have about 515 uh, employees. Uh, here at the refinery, we fulfill roughly 70% of our parent company's jet fuel uh, needs on a daily basis. Uh, we process about 200,000 barrels of crude oil uh, per day. And um, when Monroe Energy purchased this refinery, we also have our own wholly owned subsidiary, which is called uh, uh, MIPC, which is about 51 miles of pipeline. So we're able to get fuel product through our pipeline network and into other pipeline networks to get uh, product up to the New York Harbor or whether it's out to Western Pennsylvania or even up into New York State. It's interesting because we have Peter Holren coming on uh, from Enbridge. Uh, which you mentioned, uh, obviously, the pipelines. Um, you know, you, a lot of what we do, you and I in our, in our organization, is educate in the public, okay, on a daily basis. Um, on what we call common sense and energy, right? I mean, you know, a lot of, of, of what um, Monroe does, it, you know, helps to support our way of life, okay? It, our everyday way of life. And, and, and so when you talk about the many different facets that um, Monroe touches, okay, um, it, the workforce, okay? Uh, you know, you guys are, when you talk about the community, impact in the community, okay? One of the things that you do on a, you, you, you do, when you talk about the workers, and you just completed a large scale turnaround, okay? And there was a ton of workers involved in that, okay? Talk about that because it, it, it impacts the community, the surrounding businesses, but also uh, over 2,000 members of our Philadelphia building trades, okay? So when, when Monroe is doing a project or if there's a turnaround, it, so many lives are impacted, not, not to mention, you know, the fuels that is refined. No, absolutely. That, that, that's a great point. And I think I'll just take a half a step back to my days when I was actually in the governor's office when the three refineries announced closure. Really, really tough time. Um, I remember there was a study done by the Pennsylvania Department of Labor, and what they found was that for every lost refining job, 18.3 people in the local community, southeastern PA region, would lose their job, 22 across the state and 61 across the nation. So when you talk about that job multiplier effect, whether it's the trades, whether it's your local store, uh, um, and even, uh, you know, we, we saw it firsthand uh, how much the school districts and municipalities would suffer, right? Because you don't have that economic infusion. But um, as it pertains to the turnaround, so for everyone's benefit, if you don't know what a turnaround is, you know, um, think of it as a major tune-up of your car's engine and other maintenance that you would do. You know, like on an everyday basis, you put gas and you put oil and you check the fluids. But every once in a while, you need to take it into the shop and kind of get a major maintenance done. That's very similar to what happens here at the refinery. If you think about this facility, this facility runs 24-7, 365. Every pipe or most pipes, most vessels, most units, most motors are, are outside, right? So they're subjected to the heat, the cold, the rain, the snow. 
So the equipment, you know, we do regular maintenance to make sure we're reliable and safe all throughout the years. But every once in a while, you need to take the facility offline or the majority of it offline to conduct not only the major maintenance that you need to do, but also to maybe tie in projects that you were unable to tie in when the facility is actually running. So you had mentioned, um, you know, um, that we utilized uh, the high skilled workers of the Philadelphia Building Trades. I'm, I'm proud to say, yeah, up, up to 2000 members of the Building Trades were in this plant uh, for uh, about two months, uh, seven days a week. Um, so it really became a small city. So when you look at that job multiplier effect, you know, that's what we're really talking about, how much it's not just the folks that work here on a daily basis, but it's everybody outside this organization that helps support the organization uh, to keep it going. And just one other point note, um, I looked this morning because uh, I was doing some work and um, it was actually 10 different disciplines of the Philadelphia building trades that were in here. So a lot of diversity in the work that was done. So it's interesting um, <clears throat> because I'm familiar with, you know, with, with, with the, uh, the turnarounds, the shutdowns and, and uh, a, a lot of the union workers, the union leaders, I mean, they depend on them and they look forward to it. It's a major, you know, shot of work um, that their members um, can look forward to. We depend on those for man hours. OK, the tax base. I mean, it impacts so many uh, you know, areas of our city. Uh, and, and our citizens and, of course, our workforce. But talk about coordinating that project, okay? What does it take to, you know, I mean, it's a 2,000 member. you got different trades. Like you said, 10 different trades. I've been a part of them. And let me tell you, it's like run like a military operation. Talk about the preparations from a management standpoint, not the actual nuts and bolts, but how, how long does it take you to prepare for for uh, for that type of situation. No, you're absolutely right. And you know, like I said before, this, this this look this one facility, you know, it's 350 roughly acres. It be, it became like a small city within the boroughs, right? So it's not only you know directing traffic to make sure you don't disrupt the citizens that live in these these boroughs, right? But coordinating all that work takes so much time and planning. This turnaround is actually three years in the making. When you think about it, a lot of the things that we do during a turnaround, you can't just go to your local hardware store, buy a part, right? I mean, a lot of these things that we need are very long lead time. So it may be a motor that has a 52-week lead time, right? So we actually had team members that their sole job was to focus on the planning and the execution of roughly a two-month project. And that started happening over three years ago to make sure that the work was getting done that needed to get done that you know when this crane was done in this location that the crane moved to another location to do the other critical lifts um, it really becomes a well choreographed play and you need folks that are solely focused on making sure that you could do it successfully and when i mean successfully it's not just about trying to be on time and on budget but most importantly doing it safely uh, it's interesting because when when you talk about that type of project the surrounding communities okay they also depend on that infusion of, of business. Um, certainly, uh, you know, one of the things that people don't understand, I, I think uh, clearly, uh, is how engaged the communities are in, you know, the, the facilities, okay? And how, like you mentioned, a big part of what you do is the community outreach, the community uh, communications. Talk about that and, and the importance of, that relationship, number one, but number two, on how much those turnarounds benefit the communities and how much they're aware of what's going on. All right. So, yeah, I, I mean, you, you talk about, you know, the job aspect. These are I think it's 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 fair to say that these are all the jobs that our elected officials want to create. Right. They're they're family sustaining jobs that are really, in my mind, life changing. They provide life changing opportunities. Uh, for folks that not only work here, work in the trades, and that kind of that kind of branches out. So, you know, working with the community, I, I guess I'll start there. Is a core value for Monroe that that was very apparent from the day that I stepped foot in here. We believe that our commitment to the community extends far beyond our fence line. We never wanted to be seen as that um, 
facility behind the barbed wire fence, right? So we don't just sit in here. We get out in the community. We become part of the community. I think our operating philosophy is if you lived right across the street, you know, like we don't have um, we don't have a 30 acre buffer beyond our fence line. Our neighbors are literally across post road. Um, how would you want to be treated? So whether it's a project that we're doing at the facility, does it create a noise? Does it create a traffic congestion issue? Does it create, you know, some other burden? Being part of the community, communicating those things, um, getting the feedback of what's important to a community member, really, really important to us. So we do a lot of that by participating in whether it's um, uh, borough council meetings or community events, but also doing things that I think maybe would be a little bit out of the ordinary for some, which is we've had school trips in here where we we have a, like an education day where young students can come in. We provide a company overview. We'll give a tour of the plant. And then at the end, we'll have, you know, uh, let's say it's a STEM focused class. We'll have engineers and folks from our lab, chemists that could come in and talk about career opportunities to show that that we really are trying to um make sure that our positive impact is not just the products that, that we create, but also the, the positive impact that we have uh, and externally. And talk about the, the, the safety and the high environmental standards um, that Monroe, uh, you know, deals with on a daily basis and meets them. Um, and those type of priorities, which also, are, you know, are, <clears throat> you know, community focused, obviously worker focused and environmental focused. But we have the highest environmental standards I mean, in the world, okay, and 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 on our safety is a top priority to our workforce, and and the community. Touch on that. Yeah, uh, great, great question. I, um, you know, every every meeting around here starts off with a safety moment, right? And I, I said before that, you know, you want your turnaround or any project to be on on time or on budget, but the real critical component is did you do it safely and it's not just for the folks here it's safety of our community as well so it's a, it's it's vitally important to us um maybe i could touch on maybe you know there was a couple actually projects you said uh, like in the environmental side you know there's there was a couple projects that we did in this turnaround that may be a little different than our previous turnaround that actually have pretty interesting environmental focuses on it one we actually um installed our second of uh, three large cooling water towers. And why that's important is when we first got here, the system that we had here was called the once through cooling water. So we would draw in roughly 100 million gallons a day. And I, I did say that, right? It's actually 100 million gallons a day of non-contact cooling water to cool the plant. So it would come in the plant. It would circulate through pipes, which is separated from everything else. So that's why it's non-contact. Cool the plant and then go back out. After the installation of our second and, and in a couple of years, our third, we will reduce our water intake out of the Delaware River by 95 percent. So we will go from 100 million gallons a day of river water down to just five. Um, and that's viewed by DEP and EPA as the best available technology. Another interesting project that we did um, here that was a little bit different than other turnarounds, we decided to change out a couple of our very high horsepower motors that, that drive a couple of our units here from steam to uh, high efficiency electric. And I didn't really understand it in the beginning. I say, well, why does that really make that much of a difference? If you think about it, you need a lot of energy to heat up water to turn it into steam. And then that steam has to travel literally hundreds of miles of pipe throughout our refinery. So you use a lot of energy to keep that, that intensity up. And when you switch to the high efficiency electric driven pumps, our boilers don't need to fire as hard. Therefore, our emissions become lower. So exactly. we're trying to find ways to do things that we're not obligated to do, but it's the right thing to do for, for our community and the region, the environment. Absolutely. And, 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 and so, you know, it's the holiday season. OK. And, you know, obviously um, talk about what Monroe does, the, the team at Monroe um, to do you know, special things in, in, out in the community. Uh, well, you know, our, our, we have a super dedicated team here that just is it's a very charitable, giving, helping uh, community uh, that walks through these gates every day. So I think something really special that we've been doing. I've been here almost 11 years now and been done every single year since I've been here um, is that we partner with our our trainer uh, police department who knows where the greatest needs are within the community. 
and we do an adopt a child program. So uh, actually yesterday we just dropped off, uh, you know, all the gifts that we had for the roughly 70 kids right here in the trainer community that are that are going through a rough time. So it's a way for our team members to really give back. It's really meaningful to them because um, we are all blessed to have the opportunities we do. And we realize that some others don't have that same opportunity. And it also helps foster, I think, a, a stronger relationship between our public servants and the police force with the community as a whole. So I think it's a great all around project. And a lot of the members of the community <clears throat> are actually work at the plant. So in other <laughs> words, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's ingrained in the communities. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and when, especially holiday seasons right now, you're not only <clears throat> obviously, um, you know, you, you, community outreach and all those things, but the community is actually a part of, of what you're doing. And, and, and so it's, it's, it's almost in a sense for a lot of people. Okay. You do have the 2000. So when you talk about the 2000 building trades members coming in, uh, it, you know, we have a, a large jurisdiction here in the region. So a lot of the, the, the workers live in the communities, but the, the fact of the matter is it, it, it can be in a sense like a family type situation with, with you know, with the workforce being a part of, of the surrounding community. No, I, I, absolutely. I mean, we, we've have, uh, we have second, third generation refinery workers here. Uh, a lot of our members of our team, uh, I could say specifically from our emergency response team um, here at the plant, a lot of the members that volunteer or are on that team are also fire chiefs in their local community. So they bring the expertise, the skill sets that they have here at the plant, they bring it to the local community. We do our best to make sure that we have job openings, that we make everybody aware of, of what's out there. And our hope is that, you know, we can continue to hire uh, folks from the local community. Um, I think it's really vitally important for businesses as a whole to, 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 to partner, right? I mean, it's you, you need to do your business and, and conduct your core business effectively and efficiently, but there's more to it. And that couldn't happen here without, you know, our leadership really supporting the things that we do. So um, it's really, it's been a great experience. And I heard you, you know, as we were prepping for the show, Krause's coached. You know, Krause is, is committed to, you know, he does a, a coat drive for, for, for kids in need, okay, around the Delaware Valley. And um, it's really amazing because Joe actually goes out into the community in the middle of the night. He's done sleeping bags. He's done, you know, um, you guys have actually, you know, supported that, which is something that's really near and dear to us to build up your building trades gets involved because the rubber hits the road right there. I mean, people are, you know, are um, – you know, obviously, there are people that are challenged, and it's it, and it's a very difficult thing. But uh, you know, you, you guys are involved in, in in that project, and talk about that, and 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 the fact that you know it makes a difference, especially now. It's uh, you know, kids getting, uh, and and you know, adults also getting who are maybe homeless, but uh, you know, maybe you know they're they're financially challenged, making that direct difference to people who are in need. No, I, it's really important. I mean, it's so meaningful. Um, and and I, I think one of the things that we we try, it's not about, it's about reflecting on the blessings that you have. And I, I think everybody here understands the opportunities we have and not everybody else has those opportunities. So when you're able to give back, when you're able to partner with your community, when you're able to help somebody that may be at a very low point in their personal life, um, it's so meaningful to be able to do. It's not about seeking credit. There are so many things that we do here that we just, we don't want the credit for. It's just the right thing to do. So that's what's been so meaningful for me to oversee a lot of our charitable endeavors. It's because our CEO, our COO, our Delta leadership just says, go out there, do the right thing, make the most impact you can have positively on, on the community. And they give us the freedom to go out and do that. So very meaningful for us. Adam Gattuso, uh, Monroe Energy, and, and and obviously we're ecstatic to have you a part of our Energy Education and Awareness Board. Thank you for you know what you do and what Monroe does for our workforce, but also for our communities. And I want to wish you and everybody at, at Monroe um, a great holiday season. We appreciate everything you do, my friend. Thank you. Likewise. Great to be here. Fantastic. We'll have more from the Labor and Energy Show with Jay Dot and Krause.
just a minute. The Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters is proud to present skilled union workers, including the workers that build and maintain our energy infrastructure. The safest, best trained, and most productive carpenters in the country are on the job. Whether it's energy from nuclear, wind, coal, natural gas, or offshore wind, the EAS carpenters are ready to provide the construction need of an energy industry our families depend on. If you're interested in a job in construction, visit EASCarpenters.org or follow us on social at EAS Carpenters. Can you afford a brand new electric car or a charging station for your home? Want to spend your days waiting in line at a public charging station? Well, buckle up. Delaware and New Jersey are planning to ban the sale of gas-powered cars by 2035. Most drivers can't afford it, don't need it, and don't want it. Tell Governor Carney and Governor Murphy to stop the EV mandate and let drivers decide. Portions of tonight's Labor and Energy Special are presented by PBF Energy and supported by members of the labor union community, a collaborative to educate the public and change the narrative. And that's going to do it for this edition of the Labor and Energy Show with J-Doc and Krause. Good, two good segments, J-Doc. We only have about 60 seconds. I'll give you 45 of it just to put your recap and your spin on today's show. Yeah, Joe, great show. Want to want to thank Peter Holran, Director of Government Relations uh, for, at Enbridge U.S. Uh, for, for, for being our, our one of our guests on our program. He, just a, a fantastic individual who, who laid out um, how they make such a difference in our everyday lives. And of course, Adam Gattuso, um, who, you know, he, he's not only, uh, you know, the head, the communications leader and the government affairs leader at Monroe Energy, but also, uh, you know, the head of their their, their community relations. And so uh, just a great example of, of uh, the impact that our energy companies, um, our traditional energy companies have on the community and, um, in our everyday lives. So uh, on behalf of, of obviously everybody on the program, I want to thank uh, Adam and Peter and, and of course, wish everybody a happy holiday season, including our union community. That's going to do it for this edition of the Labor and Energy Show with Jay Doc and Krause. We thank all of our listeners who and our viewers who have tuned in uh, during 2023. On behalf of Jay Doc, I'm Joe Krause. Happy holidays, everyone. Thanks for listening to tonight's Labor and Energy Special. You can help. Call your congressperson and join the movement to push back on RINs. This program is paid for by Advocacy United. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Advocacy United or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHD or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded.